0: Wait, why is in the UK, why was the Nanny McPhee Returns not called Nanny McPhee Returns? Why was it called Nanny McPhee in the Big Bang? Did she go to space? I don't know. No yeah, I don't I? know. No, I know
1: nothing about it. All right. But if what's if the, someone what's wants the... to hear it, I'm down. What's the okay, surprise, yeah, man? I'm dying go. to know. Let's go.
0: I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm going to play it. So just I'm going to mention up front that this is something that I did get shown a couple of days ago. I did want them to be able to hear your reaction. It is, it's about three and a half minutes uh it's comes from our friends uh paul and dom it will become clear oh and neil and it will become clear uh what it is i think quickly but it's it's very good feel free to talk over it and you know react as you wish that's part of the fun i think but uh okay so here we go (laughs) you guys ready oh dude okay
2: do do recognize this
1: music be we should just use that instead it's not it's copyright free of stuck with this one
2: well i mean what's going on cory mate i mean we're not here to fuck spiders are we i so with Look, we're talking about like okay, like we've been you, you know, uh, we've been mixing up the podcast a bit. We've got the <laughs> William Castle film general. We've got our golden That was a spot on mate. Corey we've impression. We've got our bits, we've got our takes and uh, this is but, so uh, good, movie, right? There's something We've got our uh, other movie. synonyms of takes. I don't know if I've got it in me to like do this the right way, you know. The added so fantastic, right? You ever That's seen hilarious. a fucking umbrella talk, mate? doesn't happen. I'd never, nah, not at all. Oh but no. Like, I, I wanna Oh no. Can, can it, we can we like bring it's the energy? Poppins. Can we bring that energy to this? Like fucking Do we got what it takes <laughs> to be like a fucking bathtub that ain't got the end of it? Do we have the energy of a bloody umbrella talking? Yeah, right. We have that the the Poppins vibe. I fucking uh, yeah, no, I don't know. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It feels. Look, I don't know about you, mate but I don't think we have that.
1: Um, like, what the fuck look, are we gonna there's do? There's got to be a way
2: to find it, you know.
1: I love that they're committing fucking to both of us being Australian. Let me
2: think about it for a sec. Wait a minute. <laughs> what the fuck, Liam? You see that? Ah, uh, wh- <laughs> what do you? Th- what do you mean? Like, uh, gosh, I want to be Australian there. so badly. Oh. what Bloody fucking hell. Fragilistic <laughs> Dude the giant spiders mate. Liam. Just gotta make sure you heard that too, yeah? I'm not just fucking hearing nonsense, yeah? This isn't like some fucking vision bullshit, right? Or it's like a is it mass vision bullshit or is this like a singular vision bullshit? Where what the fuck are we doing?
1: <laughs> Corey? mate. Another good what? Corey line. What the fuck have we done? They've
2: added a mate.
0: little bit more cursing.
2: <laughs> Who's old mate? Fucking oh. Clancy
0: who's Clancy is that you, mate?
2: Clancy oh, Liam Liam mate The podcast's fucking saved mate <laughs> I know who this <laughs> is well, then Who the bloody hell is it Mate Gosh
1: it's Why fun. do we do this it podcast You're so much better at it It can't be
2: It is It's gotta be mate It's gotta be him Who the fuck else comes down With a fucking umbrella like <laughs> Oh look that's the umbrella That's the umbrella right there Fuck Good day, good day, my
0: jackaroos. It's me, Mitchy Poppins, and and I'm Australian Ken Oath. And you know what they say a spoonful of Vegemite helps the
2: sequel go down. God (laughs) damn! Liam.
3: Vegemite.
2: I feel like a fucking weight's been lifted, mate. I feel so much better, mate. That's you know, exactly like, what With say. fucking the help of Micho here You reckon we right. can take this one on? Look I tell you what Mitchell Poppins mate You couldn't have arrived on a better episode Stone This is like a 10 year old, old Oh no a year old bit yeah, mate, Like, it's, How the fuck it's, did you know? It's what do I Just do took a lot of work. Find yourself up a gum
0: tree <laughs> I come in and she'll be apples again
2: Well look we got a big problem right We're here to talk about fucking Mary Poppins returns
0: Alright time, time for this bit to piss off mate
1: <laughs> gosh wow that was so beautiful what did you think <laughs> that was incredible that was they've remade one of our episodes we've been i couldn't we've have been, done they it, made another one i couldn't have done it better honestly yeah um, so
0: what is the mini review we're doing an episode right now of the australian remake of mitchy poppins returns oh
3: way better I, like i miss when we used to do dumb we used to do dumb bits all the time when i first got on the show but we don't do them now it's we very read
0: uh, archive of our own last week for inspector gadget porn what are you talking about yeah but we're,
3: we lack the theatricality that we once had i mean i i miss this and this this like amazing bit just made me realize how much i miss what we used to do
0: so at one point i made a joke about um our good pals here paul and dom who are real bona fide Australians, uh, remaking a they made another one bit um, because I was trying to think of what were some iconic bits that we've had. You may remember mm. us having that conversation. Oh, and I made yes. a joke about remaking it and uh, they fucking did. So they listened to the bit, transcribed it, <laughs> and then reperformed it with Australian accurate ad living. And uh, Neil, who is notably not Australian, uh, does come in in the Mitchie Poppins role with his the best Australian he could muster, and uh, I think it's fucking amazing. It bowled me over when I first heard it.
1: It is very good. I think so. it's incredible. I think it's uh, it it's just like when um movies are made that are based on true events, where it's like the actors that they cast are way more charismatic than the actual people <laughs> must have been. It's just like that is the Hollywood version. They're like so so suave and i thought that was incredible yeah they're, they're
0: elevating the material yes i think that's a fair thing to say so yeah thank you so much to those boys for that incredible three and a half minute odyssey um, work of art work of art and if you want to hear, hear an inferior version you could go listen to our mary poppins returns episode uh but huge thank you
1: to those guys
3: You know, if we if we ever do Nanny McPhee returns, uh, maybe we
0: do a maybe
1: give some
0: boys a ring.
1: (laughs) I (laughs) kind of want to hear uh, Mitchie Poppins return on the funny games episode that that seems suitable.
0: That would
3: be really that would cheer me up a lot
1: because <laughs> i've watched both funny games movies in like a
3: 24-hour span and i've listened to commentary tracks and
1: maybe that's the move Mitchie poppins has to arrive after yeah. after mitchy poppins just watched both funny games movies and Mitchie is just so depressed
3: yeah i went <laughs> to a virtual career fair before this man after watching both funny games movies i'm fucking miserable <laughs>
1: welcome,
2: welcome to, to victory, victory lane, lane. You, you made, made it, it.
0: Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an often forgotten installment in a franchise, and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm
1: one of your hosts, Corey, and with me, I've got Liam. In the words of Tubby, don't call me Tubby. And Mitch. Listen, young man,
3: I don't know what game you're playing, but I don't want to be a part of it. Whose words were those, please? That was Anna's. Thank you.
0: It's a crucial part of the structure of the opening. If we don't know who's talking, we simply live in a land of lawless chaos.
1: That was Corey that said that, by the way. Those were my words. You could uh, write those in a book and attribute them to me. Yo, do you guys think that we're one of those podcasts where new listeners have a tough time telling us apart by voice? Or do you think we're uh, we're one of the easier ones? It's got to be an easier one, right? I hope so. Yeah, it's tough to say just because like there are podcasts I listen to where I know it took me so long to figure it out. But now that I have it, I, I they sound so different to me. So, yeah, I, the only
0: know. time like I even had it where there was only like out of a cast of several people. I only was confusing two people for each other. But I, I, I feel like our voices are distinct enough that I can't I just can't see it being a huge problem.
1: Corey, yeah. I would, I would be interested to know.
0: Corey speaks quick and like very well.
3: Uh, I'm Thanks. very slow and I sort of have a softer uh,
0: voice and Liam is like somewhere in between. Well, I, I do think part of it is that even if our voices have a similarity that maybe we don't notice because we don't know what um what those differences are, that we speak in very different ways. I think Liam is or Mitch is right. <laughs> mm-hmm. i can't believe i just said the wrong name while well, having a discussion about being able to tell everybody fuck. Got him. Liam, <laughs> that liam guy he's got it all figured out got it <laughs> uh... um i i say fuck the most so if you want to base it on that you probably can probably i don't fair, swear because i'm
3: terrified that my parents are going to listen to the podcast but, your parents but have they never haven't heard yet. you say fuck <laughs> no they have <laughs> And they're always I can, count, I can count on one hand though. Have
0: I can you count ever heard both your of my hands. Well? You should you could probably learn how to count with both of them soon.
1: No, like uh um, okay. <laughs> you're right. I People, walked into that one. We do have distinct enough personalities. People can tell us apart. When Mitch shares something, Corey, one of usually... us one of us uh takes a sincere interest and asks further questions, and one of us makes a dumbass joke. And one of at my expense. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard your parents say fuck mitch oh yeah yeah more but, than five times uh
3: i would say it's probably close to that
1: okay yeah so it's like a shared a shared thing like you're both clean around each other yeah gotcha. i mean
3: not not as much late like lately i feel like i've been like cursing more just because I, I don't edit myself my speech anymore as much as i used to but
0: you're uninhibited yeah. now you're a free adult man you can do yeah. what you want you walk into a, a fucking pizza pizza you can say give me a fucking pizza here they you know they have to do it yeah yeah. and that's
1: because your parents don't work at pizza <laughs> pizza no they're domino's people that's
0: why like if they ever hear about it they will disown you from the house you've got a real romeo and juliet relationship to pizza pizza has anybody ever told you that stop stop like projecting this on me man i don't, I don't like either Oh, yeah, I guess I, I, I don't want to give away your industry secrets about being
3: a Louis boy. Yeah, I am a Louis boy. If anybody here is listening and they're from the city which we live, Ottawa. Louis I was going to
0: say, what, you're not going to name it? <laughs> yeah. I, was, if you well, know, I was debating, you know.
3: do we do it, do we not? But if you
0: know, you know.
3: <laughs> if you know, you know. Honestly, even though like Ottawa is kind of like a shit fest right now, um, Louis is still worth the trip.
0: Oh yeah, this podcast coming to you from deep inside of the honking.
3: Yeah, I live in the downtown core, so if you hear any honking,
0: uh, you know, bear with me. Read the news and you'll figure out what happened yeah, anyway. You'll, you'll figure it out. <laughs> um, so what we're here to talk about is um all sorts of fun and games in the movie, funny games. Um I I knew that this movie had a bit of an outsized reputation i know that when liam was like hey we're gonna play some funny games i was like <gasps> if you didn't hear that sound that was me doing home alone face i hit my face with my hands um and uh so liam i kind of want to i want to open up to you as we've often done in the past and by that i mean for the last like month um i want to ask you a question <laughs> which is uh why did you pick this movie <laughs> oh wait i didn't clarify enough yet this is the American remake of Funny Games from the same director as the original Funny Games. How'd you pick that movie?
1: I picked this movie because it is one of my favorite movies. Um, I'll just say quickly how it how it became that way, but the, but yeah, the long and short of it is I picked it because it's one of my favorite movies, and I wanted to hear what you guys thought of it. Um, I found this movie probably around like 2008 or 2009. It was. Uh, on sale at my local video store. The video store was going out of business, and so I just went and like pillaged all the horror movies I could. I really liked the cover of the movie uh, with Naomi Watts' crying face and like a black backdrop <laughs> behind her, and like the the image looks painted. This is really striking. Um, I like, I think the title is very cool. It's ambiguous, but it also is, is slightly menacing, especially above a photo like that. And I picked it up, and I watched it, and I just, like, I fell in love with it. Um, even even back then, when I didn't really understand what the movie was doing, uh, its little quirky moments and stuff, I just took it as a home invasion horror movie. And that's, like, maybe my favorite horror subgenre, top three, for sure. Like, if, if anything, I hear it's a home invasion movie. I'm, I'm just, like, immediately down for it. That's enough for me. Um, and... So I liked it on that grounds, and then the movie just had these little interesting moments in it that set it apart. And so I loved showing it to my friends to see how they would react um, in those moments. And uh, I've just I've always loved this movie. It's probably one of my most watched movies. Um, and, and so that's an interesting, yeah, element. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to share it with you guys and so yeah me suggesting this movie it's not um, it's reputation has kind of like Eluded me. Look, like, I haven't really crossed paths with its reputation all that much because I've just known the movie for so long and I just think of it as the movie. Um, I actually don't see many people like talking about the movie. Um, I'm not super familiar with like Criterion. I know you guys have said that the uh, the original is, is like on, was accepted into the Criterion collection. Um, well, it's on, their,
0: it's on their streaming service. I don't know if it got a release or not.
1: I believe that they also have a,
3: yeah, they, they've also.
0: Well,
1: Mitch is a better Criterion channel (laughs) cultist than I am. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so, but I can't really think of, like, anywhere I've seen this movie talked about. Um, I know that it's not, like, uh, under, uh, it's not, like, underseen or, like, underground or anything. I know the director is quite famous, but I still don't... um, uh, i don 't really see it in conversation when it comes to like disturbing movies and stuff, and so I was very interested when I brought this movie up to you guys and and in the week leading up to watching it, you guys were saying stuff yeah. like uh you 've heard about it and you 're kind of on edge watching it, and you know it 's messed up and stuff and i didn 't want to i didn 't want to pipe in like a like an edge lord dick and be like oh it 's not all that messed up it 's fine but like I am so familiar with it now that um Uh, it does sort of feel that way to me. So I I, I do just really want to hear about this from your guys' perspective.
3: The home invasion
1: feels like home. No, no. Honestly, um, that's a good lyric. I'm stealing that one.
3: (laughs) What I'm... uh, So I kind of have come across this movie just kind of reading about, like, a lot of, like, the edgier sort of, like, cinema that came out in the 90s that kind of, like... I guess like shook the establishment with like a lot of film critics who didn't really know how to react to it. Like there's like a handful of movies like audition and like, you know, other stuff that kind of came out in the nineties that was like edgier. Um, and nobody really knew how to write about it. And I've also read about this movie in relation to natural born killers as well. Cause I know that that was like one of the things that motivated Henneke to make the, this movie is that like he saw natural born killers and how it, depicts like uh sort of media like uh relishing violence and making it more palatable and he kind of wanted to take that and turn it on his head because he hated the movie and so i've read it about it in that context and like people being outraged at con like when it first came out i think a third of the audience uh walked out and so you can you can actually like you can watch like the press conference that happened afterwards and it's like 45 minutes and it's uh pretty wild they're kind of attacking him on like moral grounds um but i've just like heard about this movie uh through that i'm not a big like home invasion movie guy it's a genre that always makes me deeply uncomfortable um because it's such a good that's what you get for living in a home yeah that's what you, fuck. <laughs> you know it's, it's kind of like somebody coming in and like violating your space and uh like behaving behaving poorly and doing bad things i mean we here in ottawa know nothing about that right now but uh i'm going to keep going topical yeah very topical <laughs>
0: um yeah so that's that's how i've heard of it um i had heard of it i think just kind of on the internet maybe in some videos um and i think it just developed a reputation for being fucked up based on that kind of initial response that it got i don't know where it came from uh i just know that that was my understanding of what it was like anytime somebody brought it up be like, oh yeah this is the movie where fucked up shit happens just because i had kind of been told that or like culturally osmosis my way into understanding it as a movie where fucked up things happen that's, that's not really based on anything specific and i didn't know anything about Michael Henicky otherwise in fact Liam we spoke yesterday and i was like oh did we like when we saw happy end in theaters a few years ago i was like oh was that because of the director and you're like any familiarity with him cuz it just it it didn't it didn't click for me at all so it's not like i had like a colossal outsized awareness of like what the movie was or anything but i i had heard of it in those terms which is where my understanding of that come came from. Plus one coworker telling me to brace myself for watching it, which sort of heightened that a little bit. So I, I definitely wasn't like falling over myself to put it on because I was kind of picturing that more than like, in like a hostile kind of sense or like right, a yeah. saw kind of sense where it was just going to be like gross and fucked up. And I don't enjoy watching that. I get nothing out of it at all other than just grossed out. Um, We've talked on this show about me getting grossed out at all kinds of shit in horror movies. Um, And I was bracing myself for that. Um, As we'll get into, this movie is kind of intentionally not that. And I ended up finding it fairly tame based on what my expectations Uh, of it actually were. Yeah, so... (laughs) like um, extremely tame um i don't want to yeah, sound like i'm some kind of fucking freak or anything but like, no that's and
1: that's, what, that's what i was getting at too where i just i when you said that your co-worker said oh brace yourself like i wanted to say cory it's it's not that bad but then i didn't want to have you watch it and and be like deeply disturbed by it and like seem like i'm a prick because i'm like Corey, it's nothing. What are you talking about? And so, but uh, but I, I but then I, I was so curious to hear how you do respond to it because I think what I mean when I say that it's not that bad is it's not a saw or hostile type thing. It's very, it's very slow and mm-hmm. very deliberate. And, and as uh, far as I can
0: tell, the violence is intentionally yeah. off camera almost every time. It's got a lot to oh, yeah. say
3: about gratuity and like how we enjoy it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and while it does that, I do I do think it's a disturbing movie. I'm not I'm not desensitized to all of that stuff, but I think it is like a it's more of like a thinking man's movie than the viscera of something like Hostel. And I've also you know gone on record saying I.
2: Yeah, and I've gone on record saying
1: I love movies like that. Evil Dead remake, not so much, but I do appreciate the violence in that movie. And so, so I'm not beyond that stuff, but I think this is a very different type of movie. And so uh, um, that's probably why I don't see it talked about online all that much, because when there's a top 10 most disturbing list, you know, you're going to have stuff like Audition. You're going to have stuff like... Uh, sallow or like cannibal holocaust you're not really gonna have funny games even though it it is disturbing in its own way
3: it might make the top hundred maybe it would make the top hundred it depends it depends who's making the list and how obscure
0: it is right yeah yeah Yeah, i think that's true of anything right like yeah it's not on santa's list and his list is really long it's got all kinds of shit on it yeah
3: like once you get into like really sort of obscure fucked up shit like it's yeah it's a lot of it's like stuff that you're never going to hear about that. Like hasn't really made a huge splash, but this was, this was made a pretty big
0: splash. Well, and um, it also made a previous big splash. Cause there's two versions of
3: it. Yeah. Both of them did. Uh, I um, think the, I think the one in the nineties made a decidedly larger
0: splash, but yeah, I mean, you know, uh, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, this is a almost shot for shot, almost word for word remake from the same writer director. Uh, The cast is different. The cinematographer and, like, editor would be different. And um, we believe the location to be different. But um, the fundamentals of that are the same. And for anybody who doesn't know what Funny Games is about, it's uh, we got a family of three driving to their cottage. uh, And two terrible boys are there. And they're essentially, like, trapped in their own home and and tortured and tormented and cruelly forced through these like games essentially um and they all end up dead uh as mentioned um this is really more this is not a movie that you're watching because you're curious about the plot um it literally says that directly to your face at one point uh it has a fourth wall breaking line of plot development uh this movie's more of an exercise in having the viewer reflect on their relationship to cinematic violence. Is that a fair way of putting it?
3: I'd say that's a fair uh, phrasing. Yeah,
0: that's the, that's the goal is to force that reflection in the audience. Um, And obviously if you guys who have seen both and uh, have done supplemental material can maybe flesh that out further, but yeah, that's like the primary Occupation of this movie, it's not like a storytelling vehicle. Really, um, it's more interested in in that conversation uh, to be had. Um, as mentioned, written and directed by Michael Haneke, who, as we mentioned, also did Happy End. Um, if you haven't heard of these movies, but you remember that year when the movie Amour won a bunch of Oscars, uh, he also <laughs> did that movie. Um, the editor is Monica Willie who also did a more and happy end the cinematography is by Darius Kanji who uh, also did a more he did 7 uncut gems Oksha. is that s- Oaksha? Oksha? i don't know <laughs> alien resurrection and also the music video for the song boiler Lil- limb Bizkit. um hmm. there is no credited uh composer uh there are music credits because some like bands and composers have music featured but the the movie itself does not have an original soundtrack So, nothing there. (laughs) Nothing doing. Um, I will say that the opening and closing credits song for those title cards is called Bonehead. And it's by a band called Naked City. And then we hear some, like, Mozart and shit at the beginning of the car. Uh, The cast is very small. We've got Naomi Watts playing Anne. She's in, uh, as as everybody knows, she's in The Book of Henry and Children of the Corn for The Gathering. Uh, And also, uh, The Ring 2, King Kong, Twin Peaks, and Mulholland Drive. So, we could do Naomi Watts movies for the next two months if we felt like it. And we would be completely on brand. Um, Tim Roth is playing George, uh, George Farber. He was in Pulp Fiction, Bergman Island recently, Uh, Twin Peaks as well. He's in Reservoir Dogs, and also Rob Roy, if anybody's seen that. Uh, Devin Gearhart. Rob Roy? yeah
3: holy fuck that's like a deep Fucking memory.
0: throwback right yeah, I know cut. <laughs> I saw and that it, in like high school
3: man and I just think it like there's Rob Roy like cocktails too? which is which is a cocktail cocktail named after Rob cock Roy? <laughs> cocktail my god um,
0: <laughs> Rob Roy cocktail <laughs> Michael Pitt plays Paul who uh, was in a movie called Detective Chinatown 2 maybe we could get to that sometime also the live-action remake of Ghost in the Shell uh, and boardwalk empire for a little while brady corbett plays peter um who is in something called mysterious skin which I thought sounded pretty cool boyd gaines plays fred who's one of the neighbors on the boat uh siobhan fallon hogan plays betsy um i thought it was just an interesting overlap that she is apparently in the house that jack built uh, another movie with a reputation for just kind of being fucked up but then also she plays uh you know the youtube star fred remember him? yes he did three movies she plays his mom in all three of those movies whoa just thought that was a fun connection <laughs> um and then we've got uh robert lupon uh susan heneke and linda moran that's everything um this this family drives to their cottage um they're getting unpacked they see their neighbors with two random dudes who they assume are maybe like relatives. Uh one of them comes over to ask for eggs, one of them comes over to borrow a golf club, and then they just get tormented for the preceding uh like 90 minutes.
3: Yeah, there's like a there's a super sus kind of build up to it. Um So like they're dressed kind of oddly and white, and they have white gloves and they're, they're behaving golfing, golfing man's gloves. Uh those aren't those are surgical gloves. They
0: looked like golf gloves they're to me because they were dressed for golf.
3: Normally a golf... they Well, he, no, he's
0: wearing tennis shorts.
3: Or he's, like he y- went yacht, to, yacht shorts.
0: They were talking about golf games, and then he comes over and asks me about a golf club. You can't tell me I'm being unreasonable for saying that it looked like they were dressed to go golfing.
3: You'd be thrown off the, the course. <laughs> well, maybe. I don't know. Maybe they were going to change
0: shoes before they leave. I don't but fucking he,
3: know. He's in the yachting and like 10... I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't associate the getup with, with golf, but he... Uh, is dressed really oddly and then you know the entire movie is just sort of a hopeless experience and you kind of know from the outset like Henneke kind of like shows his hand like you kind of know that nobody is really gonna walk away from this in a good state like you know precisely where it's going even though you don't want it to go there and there's yeah (laughs) it's just a miserable
0: ride Allow me to ask you what you thought of it then. Why why stop this train of thought while it's chugging along? Um, well, actually, let me ask first. Had you seen it before? Uh, so, I watched
3: the first 25 minutes of the original, but I was really zooted, and then when they killed the dog, like, within the first 25 minutes, I was like, fuck that. And, uh, I tuned out, because I was, like, not in a, a good headspace to deal with that. But, Having come back to it, and I came back to it last night. Liam and I watched the original together, and then I watched the '07 uh, remake today. Um, yeah, I I have a a newfound appreciation, but I'm also like miserable right now. Having done that back to back,
0: yeah, it's not going to do a lot to pick up your your uh, your mood. Um, with, that, so- with that said, I think.
3: I think that they're it's a good movie. Yeah, I, I um, I prefer the original for reasons we can get to in a bit. But I think that they're both uh, excellent movies in in their own way. But I think the vibe, even though it's a shot by shot remake, is completely different in both of them, and it's hard to pin down why. Is it because one of them is not in English? And I'm asking that question earnestly. No, no. And I think, I think that it deserves an earnest answer. Um, I, when Liam and I were watching it, I was jokingly like, you know, like German, what a harsh language. Like (laughs) the German kind of like accentuates the fact that of what we're dealing with, you know? Um, but I think it's sort of like, it's like reaching towards something that like a very sort of like specific, like Austrian business class, like, a a sort of like a Austrian bourgeois culture that like I don't really understand um it's like it's very different um even though it's and it doesn't feel like more of an American movie but I think that this one feels a bit more sanitized and I think that like I don't like the choice of film stock. Right? I don't know if they shot in, in digital in digital or not but it looks kind of gray like there's and the comic timing isn't nearly as good. Like the original Funny Games actually has like quite a bit of humor, which I, um, which didn't like land with me in this movie at all. This one was much more, felt more bleak. They, they they're both feel horribly bleak, but comparatively, uh, this one feels way more. But also, not I, at the same time, I don't think it goes to the same depths as the original. And I think in part that just comes from the performances. I prefer the performances in the original movie.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. No, that's a bit tangential. Um,
3: sorry, but yeah. no, no, no.
0: I mean, it's the question. Like, yeah. what did you think was what I was about to ask you? Yeah. Um uh, I know we know Liam's answer, so I guess I'll go quick. Um I think this was just okay. Um mm-hmm. I think like I I personally felt as though the the filmmaking craft on display was really strong Mm -hmm. um and i found the choices being made compelling and i i think all the performances are great more or less uh especially the family i think is really good um Mm -hmm. but just to give a quick gist of it i think that i don't know uh, i feel like I kept having this feeling that the movie thought it was smarter than me. There was a um, smugness,
3: almost like a almost like it's being a bit pedantic.
0: Yeah, and like he's yeah. like he's like telling me like, "Oh, like you fucking w- wish that you were seeing all this violence." Like, "Oh, you're so fucked up." And it's like, "Fucking shut up, man." Like I don't know. Uh I the that meta level of like forcing like a self-reflective thought about um my personal relationship to violence and cinema and media and how and it's your presented. appetite your appetite for yeah it too. um fell flat um i don't know if it's because my expectations had been built in the wrong direction because as i mentioned anytime anyone told me it's a really fucked up movie what that means to me is not what this is because it's a, mm. it is a fucked up movie but it's not like gory and it's not um it's not like pornographic like, no or and exploitative that's the, that's the well it is but well it uh, is but but it's that's not the, in the, the point way. the in, there's an intentional choice being made and not showing the things that aren't being shown and showing the things that are yeah. and the movie seems to think it's very smart for doing that um i found it kind of annoying and i could see why it would why it would like
3: have a huge buzz at con for doing that as well yeah
0: once like the fourth wall breaking stuff starts and it's like okay so the movie wants to make a point directly to me he winks at you you're complicit i was like oh wow you're so fucking smart just doing like a jerk-off motion with my hand like um (laughs) yeah i i i'm stuck with like i think the filmmaking on display is really good but um i just don't think the movie's making an interesting point and I don't know if I'm just like, I don't know. This movie came out like 15 years ago. I don't know if like a watch just happened in that time, and maybe it doesn't hit quite as hard as it once did. Maybe, um, uh, in that regard, I want to make clear because like it's it's a distressing movie to watch.
3: I was on the edge of my seat.
0: For it's an the... upsetting movie to watch. It builds tension really, really, really well. But in that fundamental goal of making a analytical point about relationship to cinematic violence in the audience and how those things are portrayed. That part of it doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. It feels like it wants to be this really enlightening thing, but I don't know. I feel like I've had that conversation with myself like a hundred times. Like it Mm -hmm. doesn't feel like a new thought to examine my relationship to that imagery.
3: I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. Like I think, um, this sort of newer one feels colder and clinical and less tongue tongue in cheek and like it's having less fun with itself um i think the original movie is like kind of is is more like caught up in like its own sort of I've, maybe it's just the performances but it, it feels more um more playful to me and and more um like satirical and i, th- I think it, that's purely just from the performances
0: and if this movie had a more satirical element to it i could probably swallow some of the commentary better but yeah, like, this, this feels like a guy trying to this feels like sitting down at a bar and a guy sits down next to you and he's trying to tell you why you're into shit why the stuff that you like is bad
3: yeah like there there's obviously still like an element of satire like for example yeah I mean, i mean like of the blackest variety like when they when they finally when the first person is killed and like right before you hear the shot ring out, you hear Michael Pitt say, does anybody want anything from the fridge? Like, yeah. <laughs> or like, does anybody a, want a... anything? Does anybody want anything?
0: Okay. There's something says. I need to talk about really quick. And it's, it's just cause it's relevant to this. And I need to make this point because there's one choice made in this movie. And I don't know if it's in the first movie too, but it took me completely out of an otherwise really good scene. What choice is that? after the killers leave the first time and they're all just left in the room the son has been murdered
3: so there's two there and then there were two
0: uh you don't know really what the fate of the dad has been quite yet you don't know what state he's in naomi watts is just trying to get free from these horrible bounds and the whole time there's a nascar race at talladega happening on the tv and that was the exact point of time in my life as a kid where I still would have been watching NASCAR. And like, mm. I recognized the voices and all of the names. And I might have watched that race when I was a kid. And I couldn't stop just looking at the fucking TV and just listening to what was happening. So you really I weren't taken.
3: You weren't taken with like the, the. I tried
0: to be. It was really distracting.
3: I think it maybe that's just your interest. So
0: distracting. <laughs> No no no, like I I'm, I'm not saying like I was glued to the race instead of the movie. Yeah. It's like it was so there it was such a large element of the scene that I couldn't focus on what the movie wanted me to focus on.
3: I don't know if it's really a large part of the scene. Like in the original there's there's a race car. Like there's a, there's a there's car racing, it's in German though so I couldn't tell you what they're saying, but
0: I just um, I don't know. I I uh I th- I still think that scene is really powerful. Mm-hmm. to be clear i wasn't like totally sucked out of it but was i distracted absolutely yeah and, <laughs> and the it edit- drove me fucking crazy because that scene is like 10 minutes and she doesn't turn off the tv until like halfway through it
3: uh-huh. and the editing in that scene is so deliberate right like it it i think that shot has got to be lingering there for like three, oh my god it's three minutes four it minutes feels it's, like- it's, it's brutal it feels um, like years. And he's like, ah, oh, do you see what you're complicit in now? We're not showing you the violence. You will only watch the suffering. that is a consequence of the violence because this is a movie with something to say.
0: <laughs> I am very smart. Uh, um, <laughs> anyway, I want to give a quick chance here. Liam. Yeah, Liam. Heard, I'm dying. You've heard, us, you've heard us give some thoughts here. Dying to hear what you think, um, man. Not necessarily as overwhelmingly positive as favorite movie of this or that person. Like you said, so like what are you making
1: of our takes here? Were <laughs> you coming down on this one? Uh I, I, I'm I am i am loving listening to it. Um, but man, I I, I just disagree with like both of you in, in different ways. Um, which is why I'm I'm really glad we're doing this. Uh yeah, so for Corey, um you seem to have the same reaction that uh Mitch's good friend Mark Kromode has right mitch
3: oh yeah i sent him i sent liam a video (laughs) of kermode this morning and he was outraged by this movie yeah Um, outraged in what way in every way i think he was like
0: i'm not outraged (laughs) but
3: uh he was like this movie is a I think he used the term vile um i almost did a kermode impression but i respect him too much for that even though i don't agree with him here (laughs) uh
1: well, what, what he was really upset about is that he thought the movie was smug and lecturing him and talking down to yeah. him. And that's basically what the bulk of his three-minute review was. It wasn't... Uh... Um, he, he he didn't seem bothered by the violence or anything he he was bothered by the, the commentary that the, the filmmakers were making about violence and um, I'm surprised because he, he's a big horror guy
3: and he's he's like pay seven quid to go to the theater and get chastised well here's um, the thing Can I, like, <laughs> oh fuck I did it like
0: seriously though like I don't know man I've taken classes right like I don't need this movie to have this conversation with me so it does feel kind of smug because it feels as though Michael Haneke is like, I've come to this conclusion. I saw a movie that glorified violence in a way that I despised, and now I'm going to make an audience have a have an epiphany with me, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm just sitting here like, I know I watch fucked up shit, man. I can also that's why I I kind of rolled my eyes when they had that conversation on the boat and they're talking about like he's telling this story about like the like a parallel worlds and um. Uh, they laid it on a
3: bit thick there
0: reality and fiction and like oh Mm -hmm. like if you're seeing one and the other like aren't they just the same thing or whatever the whatever the exact phrasing is but you you know what i mean and i'm just like and that's after he's already like rewound time and shit and i'm like yeah okay i get it (laughs) like Mm -hmm. i see what you're doing (laughs) you know like
3: i honestly like i'm i'm less interested in this movie for what it it's kind of reaching for like i don't i i'm less interested in that sort of thing that it's trying to tell me about like isn't violence bad like isn't movie violence like and how we're chosen how we like you know are chomping at the bit for it isn't that bad like i'm just so tired of that because i it's a debate that we've been like reading forever and it's like it's so one man's sort of meditations on that that he thought that he made in 97 and then he put it forward again in 2007 like i'm not really interested and it's in 2022
0: that. but like, as a
3: as a thriller um i think this movie works really fucking well i was on the edge of my seat the entire time when i well uh, maybe that
0: is where i will agree with you uh
3: and less so less i actually i still think that the the, the 90s one is a better thriller but um i, I think that this movie uh the The 2007 one is also a very, very competent. Yeah. The,
0: like the performances, like I said, are all really good to me. And it, it creates this very kind of uncanny feeling with how weird these fucking dudes are. Mm -hmm. And that there's this, there's this, um, preoccupation with like manners and good good behavior and cleanliness juxtaposed with like with like a baseline moral depravity that feels like the kind of comparison that you get when like somebody's talking about like the nazis or something i was talking to
3: liam and i was like it's a comedy of manners turned up on side of its head
0: yeah and you know like oh like we're gonna come back and shoot one of these people but don't get the mm-hmm. carpet dirty while I'm gone kind of shit yeah and, and don't
3: they, ask for them to make you more food because what on earth would they think of you and like meanwhile like yeah you've and already like, like broken their legs like what the fuck
0: are they gonna think that, of that that element I found interesting yeah. and also just the way that the movie because it's so yeah quiet and deliberate uh-huh. like no music aside from you know a few things no like and um something that I think is a piece of the commentary that I like. Is the way that the movie shot leaves a lot of intentionally empty space in certain shots. Like, I'm thinking about how after the killers have left and they get downstairs, Naomi Watts is getting ready to leave and they're having like a shot through the doorway of the kitchen out to like the foyer. And Tim Roth is on like the left hand side and there's just a big gap of space next to him. And shots like that that are framed in a way that it's teaching your eye to go to the empty part. Because in horror movie terms, that shot is set up for something to enter the empty space, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you're waiting for the slasher villain to come back in. Or it's like that fucking... You're waiting for that shot from Exorcist 3 where the dude's got the big scissors. Like, you're waiting for that guy to come back in. And the fact that that never happens, the subversion of that, that cinematic expectation, I think builds tension really well because it happens the entire time. Like, when they first arrive at the house and the shot is just, like, the stairs and it's very white and clinical and it feels weird and the vibes are off. And like the family doesn't seem like, like they're in the mode that you are. Anytime you go on a trip with your family and you get, everybody has to set things up and you've been traveling and everybody's kind of on edge. And, mm-hmm. um, and your dad
3: pulled his shoulder, like, yeah, work and he's and in everybody's, a bad mood. Everybody's just kind yeah. of pissed
0: off. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, I really like that element of it. And I like how the actors carry through. I think Naomi Watts is putting on a fucking clinic. In this movie, um, see,
3: I think she's, I think she's really good in this, but I don't think her her performance comes anywhere near Suzanne Lothar. and like in the original, that is, a, like, I, I think Ulrich Mew, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correct, but like, those are fucking like, those are better in my in my book, but Naomi Watts again puts in a great performance. Sorry to steamroll you.
0: No, no, no. I, I, like, um. Every every character or every actor has a moment where I'm like, wow, they're fucking going off. Like, mm-hmm. the when the kid is in the other house and he's hiding and he's trying mm-hmm. to find the right place to hide and is, is just waiting, like, that's one of the best, like, depictions of just outright fucking dread and just, like, terror yeah. in a kid's face. It's so upsetting. And, like, those are elements of the movie that I like, but I feel like, in, especially in the second half of the movie... he he, like he he starts getting more interested in like his own personal argument than the craft of the movie itself and and how how he could make that point with the movie on its own instead of feeling compelled to have the actor like wink wink nudge nudge you like you're not gonna get it somehow Mm -hmm. like i feel like somebody could watch this without a wink and a nod from those characters and still understand what the director was trying to make a point about. And I don't yeah. know if I'm saying that with the benefit of having seen it with the wink and the nod. So I do know what the point he was trying to make I think, is. I think without
3: those fourth wall breaking elements, like you wouldn't have an a proper ending. Like you wouldn't have that whole like remote thing. It's kind of a, a bit of a gimmick, but um,
0: Yeah, and I mean like and I think it's whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, honestly, it it just kind of threw me off more than anything. Like when it happens, like I I seriously thought my stream froze, yeah, for a second because it doesn't rewind right away, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, it's like, like I I paid for this. What the hell? Yeah, uh, but um, yeah, it, it's it's tough because I want to sing the praises of the movie on that more technical level, mm-hmm. but. Dude just seems kind of full of himself.
3: I think that's fair. I think, uh, I don't honestly, I don't think that the fourth wall stuff here works as well as it does in the original. It doesn't seem to stay as well. It, like, in the original, it sort of takes a bit more time to sort of pull out and it, it seems more deliberate. And I think the actor is sort of more jokey. But Michael Pitt, and I think Michael Pitt's a wonderful actor. I love him in The Boardwalk Empire, I love him in The Dreamers, but. For me, uh those sort of sequences where he breaks the fourth wall don't seem tongue-in-cheek enough. They're t- they're so quick. Um and uh, it just doesn't work.
0: I really like him though. I really like both yeah. of those guys. They're exceptional yeah. here. Um presenting this very like like their their chemistry with each other is like the worst friendship you could ever have. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> And like just the meekness of Brady Corbett being contrasted with like this, this like proper gentlemanly air that's trying to come off of Paul and his like weird captain lingo. Mm -hmm. And, um, that man,
3: obviously two kind of like rich art. like they're, they're rich. They're, they're, they come from like a privileged background. They're very articulate. Yeah. Just like very polite boys. Um, yeah. And they, it is just sort of terrifying right that that um this class of people who I, the real terror he, is rich people he, he didn't intend for it to be like a, a social commentary uh in that way about sort of like the class but
0: i, I guess to an extent it's it's it, you you would yeah. have to argue that it is because we're, we're basing that largely on signifiers of like course, they're coming yeah. in in all white and whatever but like this is a family that owns a second house with like an automated security gate and like a big fancy boat and it's like it, this is rich on rich violence if it's anything so mm-hmm. like to an extent it, it's more about them as individuals than it is as that commentary because like yeah i don't know if you if you don't think the farber family's loaded like <laughs> i don't know they they clearly are yeah they're um, living that
3: sort of like cool steely european elegance vacation home vibe you know up yeah. in and they're, they're like yachting contract- on, a, on an austrian lake like what do you want
0: man <laughs> Yeah, and then or contrasting that with um, having to play a, a, a game of hot or cold to find where your dog's corpse is, um, I and find I want to talk about about that scene for a bit. Yeah, um, I find that contrast just interesting. The like, I like I like what the movie's going for in those terms. Like, had it been more conventional, I would be curious to see how it went. But because mm-hmm. it's not more conventional, more of my overall thoughts are brought to that. Aspect of the movie, but talk about that scene. Mm-hmm. I think
3: the dog, like you, it's a it's a shot by shot remake, but the the dog sorry, sorry, sequence. Just to
0: cut in really quick, I just I wanted to mention if you didn't think that that dog was not like the second he picked up that golf club, I don't know. Like yeah. I I knew the second he was like is that a golf club i was like that dog's fucking (laughs) yeah well (laughs)
3: liam Liam and i were watching the movie last night and i was like oh like once i saw the dog i was like yeah he's gonna die like the the first frame that the dog appears and i was like yeah the dog's dead um the it's a shot by shot remake for the most part but the dog sequence is shot in a very different way um than the in both movies and I, i watched them in rapid succession so I know what I'm talking about. If you ever watch both of them, you should. <laughs> so I'm the fucking authority. On this. If you're if you're looking to be miserable, like please do it. Um, but in the German or in the Austrian movie, rather, uh, the dog falls out of like the side door, and it, the way that it sort of plops physically um, is much sort of faster, and the framing is different it just works better like the the movement is more uh sharp and dramatic but in this one it's sort of more slow and i'm sure it's difficult to kind of just like like, that
0: it was slow it was fucked up to me how slow it was it made it drew it drew it out and made it worse to me like
3: the in the in the original the dog just sort of like falls out like a sack of bricks and it's shocking uh I, i prefer the way that it works um but it's just sort of one of those things where you look at like the mechanic the mechanics of staging and blocking a scene and it's like, yes, we're doing a shot by shot remake, but there's, there's these like little variables where it's like you're shooting an exterior scene and you're making it fall out of the trunk rather than the side door and the way that
0: it falls and for you're going for shock value. And I yeah. think that Th- that's um, where an interesting conversation comes in, like we mentioned earlier, where like you look at the psycho remake, yeah. Know, like the like the nuances that you're hitting on are what we're hitting on here, where it's like It's, it's like a, it's, it's a difference of degrees. It's a difference of degrees, but I mean,
3: if you cook a meal like a few degrees warmer than it should be, or a roux, you're still going to ruin the roux, right? It's a A very, a roux. What is that? It's like a, you make it in cooking. It's like a combination of like flour. You make it in cooking? (laughs) It's a combination of like flour and butter and like you stir it. It's like a white sauce.
0: Does everybody know what, Liam, do you know what a roux is? Did you before he just said it just now?
1: Yeah, yeah, I would Fuck. do it to make like gravy. Yeah,
3: it's like a good. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, like I'm that. just an
0: idiot then. But I needed, I needed to. But figure if you out. cook
3: your roux like one degree warmer, um, it's not going to be, like, on. Uh, it's not going to be right. It requires like a level of, of precision. But also, I think like accidents, and so much of movie making comes down to like accidents and not being able to like replicate something like a hundred percent the way that it is. And it's interesting when you're like, can we try and make those same accidents happen like 10 years later? Uh, And will it have the same dramatic effect?
0: And, and uh, I don't know if the, but is the question of a filmmaker that remakes their own movie, can we make those accidents happen again? Or is there a level of assuming, and maybe I'm just saying this because I think it was kind of smug, Mm -hmm. but is there a level of thinking I could do that again?
3: (laughs) I'm sure like, and and in this case it's like I could do that again and I could probably lay it on a little bit thicker for those Americans who have yeah bloodthirsty I, ideas and yeah love part of it does feel
0: like part of it does feel like laying it on thick because you think that Americans are stupid and he does even say that in the interviews like that I've watched that's the Criterion. so fucking patronizing though like yeah. you can't make a movie where you you want to have a conversation with your audience if you don't respect them
3: mm-hmm.
0: like yeah and if you're going out and interviewing, and saying, yeah, I figured the audience was stupid. So I made it a little easier to understand. It's like, then I don't care what your point is. Like, I think he, although
3: like he said that in like the movie and he talks, he talks about some movie from the fifties with Humphrey Bogart, where he plays like a home invader. And he talks about like the simplicity of the American audience. Then like, I don't think he, he said it in direct reference here, but he, he did definitely say it in relation to like, Uh, natural born killers and to like other American home invasion movies that
0: lay it on very thick and are rather conventional well Liam what do you make of like this remake angle because we can't always get into it because rarely do they overlay does this movie
3: have that European flavor in an American setting (laughs) does it have that European rue flavor that
0: we all know and love fuck you (laughs) that wasn't Um, honestly you
3: you should read Escoffier's ideas about rue Corey you might learn a thing who's
0: that is that the guy from Ratatouille (laughs)
3: Escof- escoffier was the uh, the founder of modern sort of cookery uh
0: modern cookery he he wrote <laughs> Is the, that a word
3: yeah he he wrote the menus on the titanic he was a big deal
0: wow i actually spelled his name right first fucking
1: trial. yeah
3: I'm a, I'm a genius yeah he he all of his cookings like deal with like a lot of ruse and what uh, was escoffier known for Rue and dessert. He he the, kind of re- revolutionized the dessert.
0: Well, and here I'm being told that uh, known as the king of chefs and the chef of kings. That's him. That's pretty based. Um. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck are we talking about Escoffier? <laughs> what have yeah, I Liam. done? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Liam, what are your thoughts on Escoffier?
1: Is that the dude from Ratatouille?
0: <laughs> no. Say that but in an Australian accent.
1: <laughs> is that the... Is that is that the dude from ratatouille no that's british, <laughs> that's oh, british. i'll live with that
0: yeah that's fine anyway <laughs>
1: um in terms of the remake angle i well i should say that despite me having seen funny games us countless times i hadn't seen the original until i watched it through with mitch last night um and I think the the reason behind that was uh, actually kind of what you said at the beginning, Corey, where you just said that knowing it's a shot for shot remake, um, you didn't feel the you don't really feel the need to go back and, and watch it. And, and that's sort of where I was at. Like, I saw some clips of it on YouTube back in the day and and. Uh, kind of saw the actors and I was just like yeah not my paul and so uh, i just uh i figured that if it's if it's shot for shot anyway i'll just stick with this one and i just never committed to to reading the subtitles i'm sure uh Michael arno Haneke arno would, frisch be, be is cheesed, not your paul Oh right, no, 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 no. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, him. Yeah, not my ball. Uh-huh. Um at least that's what I thought. And so uh when Mitch said he was gonna watch the original, you know, I thought that was a great opportunity because I I, I hadn't been able to bring myself to watch it in the last thirteen years or whatever. Um and I'm, I'm glad I watched it. It's really cool to compare the two. But I actually um, really respect that he m- just made a movie that he was passionate about again. Um, I think great stories are, are worth telling again. This story does feel very play-like. Um, Mitch and I were talking a oh, bit about yeah. that. We were saying we're going to try to see if we can get the, the rights to the play from him and see if we can like, put it on in Ottawa because uh, it would be really cool adapted as a play i would um, love to see it on the stage it's it would sure. work so well yeah and so i i like that he just said well it's been 10 years i still um am proud of this story and i and the fact that he did intend it for american audiences to begin with and he just couldn't get the money to shoot out of austria um and he thinks that it would be easier now that he has a bit of a. Uh, Experience and a bit behind his name to get bigger actors and put it out in America. I think that's fine, especially because it really is a, a faithful remake. Um, uh, you know, you, you can definitely prefer one or the other, Mitch. I, I like that you prefer the original. I um, much prefer the the remake. Um, of is course, it, I've seen that? it so many times. I think it's just for me, it just comes down to the performances. Um, Interesting. And probably the I'm fact... On the, I'm
3: on the other spectrum, but for the performances.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, and I think just the fact that they're speaking English, like as simple as it sounds, it goes a long way for me because... Um, you know, I know that people make jokes about how uh, English speaking people just don't like to read movies. And so um, that's why they 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 can't get down with foreign language films. And I'm totally fine watching movies with subtitles, but having the direct comparison of a movie made by the same filmmaker, they're saying basically the exact same things. But one is in the language, language that I better understand. I felt that I was able to get more out of the performances in the English language version mm-hmm. because I know I li- like it's it's so obvious, but like I literally know the words they're saying, and so I'm able to better pay attention to the way they make like, make some words bounce or the way they right. say some words in like a cheeky way or something like that. And so I feel like I understand the performances in the American version much better than I do in the the original version even though I'm totally with you I think all the actors in the original version are incredible I think they're both brilliant movies but when it comes to where my preference lies it it's the uh, it's the remake because I'm able to better identify with those performances and like you Mitch I love Michael Pitt He's one of those guys. If I hear he's in a movie, I uh, will just watch it. I think for me, he's incredible. It's,
3: it's it's the physicality in the in the first movie, especially with Suzanne Lothar. My God, like when she's when she's walking up the road. I don't know what they did with the makeup on her, but I I see less polish um, in her performance than like Naomi Watts. Less sort of like Hollywoodisms, and I think maybe because it's the fact that I am not like familiar with these people's work and like what they've done that it, it lends a kind of like um, authenticity to the movie as well. Is Naomi Uh, Watts like
0: an aggressively Hollywood actor though? I
3: don't, I don't think she's aggressively Hollywood. I don't think she's aggressively Hollywood, but there is, there is um, a kind of polish that comes with this, um, with this cast and that maybe it's just a familiarity bias and it could just be the bias that I watched the original first. So it had all the surprises. Um that that with a movie like this that goes such a long it way it does it goes a really long way uh but the, I think that the physicality of the performances in the in the original are better, but with that saying, I am not trying to knock anyone's performance in the remake. they all do a a, a like a world class job although i I think like I don't know if Tim Roth was like the some of his stuff doesn't do it nearly as well for me um but not have a lot to do. He doesn't have a lot to do but I I feel like his yes, helplessness he isn't hurt. isn't as good as like Alric Muir however the hell you pronounce his name he is was he is exquisite in this Yeah,
0: yeah. um yeah I don't know I, It's also just tough it's always tough to gauge performances of like agony mm-hmm. because it's, it's like I don't know god willing a lot of people haven't been in what I would describe as like genuine agony so you're just kind of assuming to an extent that it's as long as it connects with you right more than anything um Mm -hmm. and that you're reading the emotions you're supposed to be reading and i feel like i was like i i felt really compelled by not just the family but also like the other two because there's something i can't get over how fucking soft-spoken peter is like he can he's whispering like you can barely hear him he, and, and he
1: was he was 18 when he shot this movie hey? oh my god heroic, incredible, incredible Her- heroic Kitt? shit no no uh brady, brady yeah oh the other that's, one
0: that's crazy um he's yeah. he's really good but yeah he's got a very like childlike presence which i guess probably accounts for the fact that he was a teenager mm-hmm. um that gives it kind of a grimy feel even though he's like very basely preoccupied with like i don't know i'm hungry and i don't want to be bored but he's Um, got that moody teenager thing where he's he's so good he's kind of like like, kind of clammy looking like when he starts getting pissy about the eggs too is like you really get like a a kind of fuck off mom yeah like and earlier
3: in the movie like with their dynamic i believe that like he didn't want to be there as much as um paul did like i i yeah he's i get the vibe he's being
0: dragged along for the ride for you get the sure. vibe that
3: he's being dragged along but i in the end i don't think that that's true but he seems like he's easier to manipulate
1: um to me i think that both of them are equally as into it i think they're they're playing up the dynamic that one yeah. of them is a bit I, more I, meek yeah. um mm. but i i think that's this is why I love this movie so much. Is that like uh, it works on so many levels for me? One, I think it's just like a great, great story. Um, and so that's that's why the fourth wall breaks and stuff don't bother me because I actually think this movie, um, as weird as it sounds, I think it's really subtle with the social commentary. Um, I guess just because of how sparse it is, you know, like it's only, uh, a few moments in it when they look to the camera, um, other than I that, think it's three, yeah, right, right, I, and then you got the you know the remote control scene, of course. Um, but other than that, I think this movie commits really hard. Um, whether Michael Haneke meant to or not, I think it commits really hard to make a really effective, terrifying, tense mm-hmm. horror movie. And he said in interviews that like he was trying to make a pointless movie, and it's like a like an anti-horror movie, and you know, I guess who am I to argue with the creator, but I totally disagree. I think that, you know, if you wanted to take out just the little, those few fourth wall breaks and the remote control scene, I still think it is an amazing movie, um, that plays around with like, uh, destiny and hopelessness Mm. and like wrong place at at the wrong time and a lot of other horror movies do that as well and and
3: tropes like it denies you of of
1: that of that every single
3: choice denies you of what you want or what you expect from a horror movie
0: i wrote a few lines down that i thought like spoke to this where like earlier on when there's lines like it's a strange way to play and you're practically forcing me to treat you badly where i feel like those are speaking specifically to like the conventions of a movie like this that like yeah introduce grizzly violence early and Uh often um but then also that first fourth wall break i think it's the first one uh you want a real ending right with plausible plot development don't you but that's after he's mentioned i believe that like you know you're on their team and not his but I i think in having that line there at all it's that's him expressing that he wasn't intended to make a movie with a point yeah. In the way that you would anticipate a movie having a point, which is you find it through, like, the plot and the theme. Yeah. Where, like, it feels... This feels more like an experiment. Mm-hmm. And In a, in a way. What I think his goal was. I did read... What did I read? There is a... I believe the review on RogerRieber.com speaks to that. I believe that reviewer describes it as... um feeling like like an experiment being done to the audience. Yeah, he he calls us lab rats. I read that one, yeah. Yeah, which was a half star review for what it's worth. Yeah. Um but you know, it, there there's certainly a lot of ways to read it. Um but yeah, it's about all I could do out of it. And it's tough because then, then you get to the part where I, all you can say is like pointing at scenes where the performances are good and, and wondering whether or not mm-hmm. it landed for you the way it was supposed well, to. Well, I want to
3: talk a bit about the ending and like that sort of remote scene that we keep going back to because when Liam was talking about like this movie in relation to horror conventions, I said briefly that it, it it denies you of kind of like that satisfaction. And I think that that's like huge. It It doesn't give you the horror chase scene really when the kid runs away, even though it's terrifying, it doesn't give you that sort of horror. She's running out of the house. Final girl scene when um, she goes out and starts looking for a car and he's like helplessly drying off the phone with a hairdryer. It doesn't give you that sort of final climax of violence when she empties both barrels into uh, one of the, the, the captors just kind of
0: give you the final girl scene. Uh, because she's literally running down the street and being ignored for help. It gives is, it to you, which it, is pretty it, typical. It gives it to you, but then it's like, yeah, no, like it is like,
3: oh, you wanted her to like get away, or like you, he just he defies you and and denies you of 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 pretty much everything. He's like, oh, you wanted yeah, to I, go, I just, the conventional I wanna, way, and I'm not going to.
0: I just don't want to present that with too much grandiosity because I think we're making it sound smarter than it actually is. Hmm.
3: No, I I think that that's like, I don't even know if I'm if I'm presenting it with grandiosity. I think it's just like a he just made these deliberate choices, right? And um, I don't think that there's anything necessarily grandiose about it, but it, it, he just doesn't he doesn't want it to fall into convention, and, and
1: I don't think it does.
3: Which is why um, I think it's worth talking
1: about. I think uh, that scene that you're. Talking about Mitch when when she's running away, um, which could be a final girl scene. I think it's I think it's really smart. Actually, I mm. I think it's, it's smart and it's terrifying how she she's running through the darkness. Um, I really love the way it looks too. Like I, it's it's tough to uh, make out exactly where she is, even though we know she's just close to she her house. Gets it's the so bolt dark. cutters
3: on the fence.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so she sees a car coming, and she does the smart horror movie thing that a lot of horror movie characters don't do where she's suspicious of the cars, So she stays hidden. Whereas mm-hmm. most horror movie characters you see, they run out and, Oh, it's the killer in the car and she, she, you get nabbed up, but she waits and then she realizes that it's just a random car. She tries to catch it. Um, they don't see her. And then the next car that comes along, then it's them. And so it's just like, mm-hmm. it feels so Hopeless to me, and and really scary. And so when that yeah. remote control scene happens, where she finally gets one up on them and shoots, um, she shoots Paul in the stomach, the younger one, and the dynamic has shifted. This is what we've Peter, waited. Yeah. I oh, think. she shoots Peter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, she, Peter's she,
0: the younger one. I'm just trying to make sure we have the names right. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. I, th-
1: I think even in the movie, I think
0: uh, I think they Peter, call each other the opposite names. Our boy, at one point. And they call yeah.
1: Beavis ButtHead Tubby, they, Tom and Jerry. Yeah, their, easy their, honest, like. their
3: names and their history is not, uh, Laurel and Hardy. Like, they're it's yeah. not it's not the uh, Tubby bit's fucking
0: annoying. By the way, sorry.
3: Yeah, like, big big fat sham. We don't like that.
0: Not even that. It's just like I, it's just not funny. Like, I don't yeah. know. Well, sorry, he, Liam. He,
1: please, see, keep going. Um. So. Naomi Watts' character, she shoots the younger one, and so the power dynamic has finally shifted, and when I was watching the original with Mitch, I think 20 minutes in, Mitch said, oh, I just, I just really want to see these motherfuckers die horribly, and all I could think of was this scene, and so um, you know, we get to it, we see one of them die horribly with a shotgun blast to the stomach, and he goes flying across the room, there's no I'm doubt about I'm it cheered. he's dead, he's dead, and it is a cheer moment, and then um uh michael pitt's character uh paul he he looks for a remote as if he he, you know he knows that there's a way to turn this back but he's still frustrated he goes oh where's the fucking remote and he and he finds this remote control he hits rewind the scene rewinds and back to when before she shot him and then he takes the gun from her before she manages to make the shot and um i was back on the imdb message boards back in the day 2010 uh and (laughs) And basically at any point when you went on the Funny Games message board, the most replied to thread and the most commonly created thread was something along the lines of remote control scene. And you click on it and it's someone saying, yo, I was watching this movie. I was into it. And then that remote control scene happened. And fuck you. That ruined this movie. It's terrible. And I I think the exact opposite. I think it's really not that much different than a horror movie where... It seems like the killer is able to move faster or sneakier than um, the protagonist, and jumps out from a closet where he shouldn't be able to be, or is able to find them when they've ran so far. Or the killer is able to to take a bunch of wicked shots without um, being seriously injured, and then is able to come back. And a hmm. lot of horror movies are just about you know. Um, the, the killer does manage to somehow have some sort of, uh, some sort of um, is always one step ahead. And I think it's really interesting to see that played out in this way. And that's even just me separating myself from what the movie is saying about that. If, if the movie is saying that that sucks and that's how horror movies shouldn't be um, it's like separate from that. I just think it's a really cool, version of that trope and i think it's really scary because now when i watch this movie um right from the beginning i just keep thinking of man no matter what they do they're they're not going to make it out and then the performances all come together for me because these people are playing agonized so well in Mm -hmm. both versions and i just want to see the movie end differently and it never does, and so it really all comes together for me. Yeah, and it's accentuated
3: because it feels so out of place because otherwise the movie is so grounded in, in reality and sort of c- conveying these performances of grief like in an, in an authentic way, about as authentic as I think it could be. Um, another thing to this movie that I find absolutely terrifying is the moment of realization when you realize that you've arrived in the middle of of some sort of horrible cycle. Oh, like you yeah. don't, you don't know what these people are in their history and what they've done, but you certainly find out at one point that they've killed the people next door. And it's fair to infer they've, that they're going to kill everybody around the lake or something. Right. Like, and you don't know how far it's going to go or how far along in the cycle they already are. Cause there's somebody else on the road, but it seems like there's not too many people on the roads and they've sort of seen to that. Like you don't, know at what point you've arrived in this cycle of terror but you know you've arrived in the middle of it and uh for me like that sort of realization was like oh holy shit like this this just got like way bigger like these people who are making these games have like designed the rules and the conditions in which you play to like an extent that was not known like when you first sort of started the movie right like they've it reaches much further it's terrifying when you find that the neighbors are dead
1: and in that way with the kid who's running away with yeah horrifying yeah i'm I'm totally with you and I think it just like this movie it it is such a so unique in those little things that make me wonder, like, where did these people come from? They, they do have the impression of upper class, you know, like you said, they're like rich kids, it seems, but we don't actually know who their parents are, where they came from, where they got these costumes. We don't know what their backstory is. There's that great scene where Paul is making Peter cry because he's telling the family that, oh, he's a drug addict, and he's actually from a white trash family. He's a criminal, and, and then he was fucking his mom. And We're both drug addicts. <laughs> it's like clearly yeah. i think it's it's like taking the piss out of uh horror movies that that give characters um villains like the and, this ridiculous media one.
3: media coverage of serial killers too. yeah for sure yeah. for
1: sure um there's the natural born killers thing it's just like yeah. it's trying to ascribe one thing to it and the fact of the matter is you you can't often do that and it could have been none of those things it could have been all of those things and i think like none of that stuff he's saying is is likely true and the dad even picks up on that at some points when they're still Mm -hmm. being so cheeky and changing their story so much and changing their attitudes the dad is like uh you guys you know you guys just gotta stop um but it just like it makes me feel like uh this is like all just so destined to happen and it's like a it's a sort of Mm -hmm. surreal horror movie world a lot of home invasion movies are based in reality um and this movie has this amazing balance where like it's it's entirely reality based until you realize it's not. And Mm. then from the very beginning, um, watching it again, you, you find out that like, Oh, it's not, in reality at any point like at the beginning when they're with this other family um and then it ends with them going to another family so it's just like this surreal world of like the police there's no police ever in this movie and so nobody
3: knows the. in the first movie that the original i don't even know the number for the police in the remake that yeah they all doesn't go through
1: <laughs> yeah and so like i love how this movie is just isolated it makes me think this is some sort of like fable and like peter and paul are like these weird like uh it's like they're like embodiments of the devil or something because it's just it's something is all a bit off like right they've when got they many allot- different
3: names they've got many yeah different names. exactly <laughs>
1: and and right when they arrive at the house both of them and the dog is barking at them the dog knows something's hmm. up dogs once, always know once
3: the dog yeah he's the canary in the coal mine right like once mm-hmm. the dog once the dog is gone like, you just know that the movie is just going downhill. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And it's just so hopeless. And in a way, Haneke's like, ah, oh, look at you, you bloodthirsty prick. You're staying around here. And they kill the kid, like, halfway through. So after the dog. Killing the dog in itself is, like, a really bold move. Um, but it's like, you're, you're not going to want to stay here. There's nothing for you except for, like, upset. But he kind of, like, plays on the perverse nature that makes people watch horror movies. At least he thinks he is, right? I I just
0: think think the argument of saying oh, you're (laughs) so fucked up for staying when I entered into this under the auspices of I'm going to watch a movie that you made and you made this for me to watch it, you can't wag your finger at me for watching the rest of it. That's what a movie is. Mm. Like... (laughs) Like, I don't think you can make a moral argument about somebody designed to stick around or not when we've entered an agreement as creator and audience that I'm here to watch the thing you made.
3: <laughs> I, I agree, Like especially being like interested in movies that push boundaries. Um, yeah, you, it, sort of, it sort of seems ridiculous, right? When you make something that's going to get all that sort of publicity about being uh, depraved, right? And then you wave the finger. I mean you're allowed yeah. to stay there for curiosity. I mean I'd also some briefly curiosity? like to
0: clarify my grandiosity comment. I didn't yeah. what I meant was um not that it was like ineffective as a scene because I think it's good. What I meant mm-hmm. was I didn't want to give him an overwhelming amount of credit for having the idea because I don't think it was a groundbreaking idea.
3: Sure. Yeah, I think that's
0: I think that's fair. Yeah, but, but like I don't I don't disagree with some of the praise here. It's just there's that fundamental like the Contract, fundamental priority right? of the movie is something that I can't get behind. Mm-hmm. So it's like, no, nah, I'm here. I'm more interested in the more conventional things at play because I think they're the best executed. Mm-hmm. I, I really like
3: sort of like the the idea of almost like a predetermined destiny of, of like fate in the movie and just sort of like going towards this inevitability and he kind of um like teases you with like, this is what you want and like uh, I don't know. I, I I enjoyed. I don't. I don't want to say I enjoyed it because I don't know if I enjoyed this movie. But there's aspects of it that I, that I liked, and that's one of them. Um, but I think it's a, like a very well crafted, and all the actors are excellent. One thing that I wanted to touch on with like the two male uh, characters, I watched an interview. With Henneke and he was saying that like when he picked these characters, he wanted to base them like entirely on like a on like a cliche of sorts, like of like a Leopold and Loeb, who were like famous serial killers in the twenties, or or like a Beavis and, and Budhead or like these these characters where like one of them is sort of thin and wiry and intelligent and articulate and dangerous. Why do I
0: think Leopold and Loeb
3: was like from the Bible or something? <laughs> no, Leopold and Loeb were two people in the nineteen twenties. I think in twenty eight or in the late twenties and they murdered a uh, child and, and um, melted his body in like a vat of acid. There's Holy a movie. Fuck. Yeah. there And they were, it's, they were like, Jesus, probably they were probably gay as well. So like the, the press kind of had a field day with that. And there's a movie about it called compulsion, um, which stars Orson Welles. And, and uh, historically when this happened, uh, Clarence Darrow, like the famous attorney went to their defense uh, and he was a very famous attorney, um, probably the most famous attorney that's ever existed. And he went to their defense and argued against the death penalty. And it's one of the, and he, and he got them uh, life in jail. I think, I don't know if they got the death penalty. I think he got them off. But uh, it's like one of the very sort of like famous early death penalty debates. Um, so he based the, these two characters off of like Leopold and Loeb, or like Beavis and Bud had this sort of thin, wiry character uh, who's like the articulate uh, refined psychopath and then like the younger heavier set sort of like stupid character. That's like physically much stronger and imposing. Uh, And he kind of like played with those tropes when he created those characters and he knew that it would be dangerous to do that, but also that the audience would like immediately get it, which I thought was like interesting because there's the, the characters are fascinating in the sense that we don't know anything about them. And they're just based off of like two uh, like cliches basically but yet they, there's something fresh about the performance
0: yeah i agree i th- i think the performances are both really good
2: mm-hmm.
1: what do you uh, liam <laughs> um you yeah familiar? i think that's a that's a really cool read of it i think that the movie does lend itself really well to like just bringing in uh basically like any sort of uh comparison you want like any sort of source material or stuff and and placing stuff onto it because i think it's a really uh it's an ambiguous movie even when they look at the camera and say stuff i think you can you can take it in in many different ways like the movie doesn't read as a condemnation to me i i love these kind of movies um that 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 could be regarded as you know filth um violent for violence sake gratuitous exploitative i love that stuff and i think that this movie i don't feel attacked by it it just seems like it's like at some points it seems like it's questioning like the way we uh um like uh are fascinated by serial killers like mitch said with the motive thing or just the way that horror movies are like have a predetermined beginning middle and end and so this movie is sort of playing around with that with the fact that like no one can get away in this movie no matter uh what you try um and then the way that all that is just like laced throughout like when um Paul shows up and the dog is there and she says, "Oh, do you want me to to lock the dog up while you leave?" and he says, "Oh, no, it won't it won't, it won't be necessary," he says he says, "Uh, it's my fault. I forgot about the dog." And so I'm like, "Wait, what do, what does he mean he forgot about the dog? Like just to get the eggs or like he was he's planning something else entirely?" And so I just think that it's uh it's such a creepy um singular sort of story that that you can then put a whole lot of stuff Mm -hmm. onto.
3: what's terrifying too is that it like it how these people I'm always horrified when I read stories about serial killers or when you see it in movies like Buffalo Bill beckoning the young woman into the back of the truck saying he's got a broken arm or something and I'm pretty sure Ted Bundy did that like I'm always terrified with um Serial killers kind of like playing on like basic social maxims and or like, um, just like things like niceties or or manners, right? When when people do that and and hospitality, and uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why I find home invasion movies so frightening, and this movie especially, um, right? Because these these two guys they come in for, uh, four eggs and they end up taking everything from this family, and it's and it's just like that give and take dynamic and and manners have so much to do with it at, at the start. And also I think at the end too like you hear her pl- saying like please and stuff like that and he he um, assigns a certain significance to that and he's like oh I'm so glad that like nicety is returned to the conversation or whatever and um, manners. It's it's, it's so much of this movie has to do with that and I think that finds me terrifying because I'm more willing to give like anybody like the benefit of the doubt or, or to be like nice and extend courtesy and and this movie like plays on that and it scares me a lot
1: <laughs> that's really interesting I've I've never thought of uh the emphasis that the movie places on that in watching it and so I think that's just like just another example of cool stuff in this movie that is just like uh littered throughout it i also like um the knife that is left out on the boat at the beginning mm-hmm. and there's like a lingering shot of the knife and then and then uh she uses it to try to cut through the rope and they they throw it overboard um, this isn't and, that kind of movie <laughs> yeah and then yeah. and then there's also like paul says to peter as he's moving across the boat he says be careful uh, you're not you know didn't you say you can't swim and so that also has me thinking like oh maybe this is going to be the kind of movie he gets knocked overboard and she's able to get him that way. But no, that doesn't happen either. And, um, I don't think that any of that stuff is like, um, is like, uh, you thought that this would happen and now it's not happening. And, and so you're dumb. I just think it's being a lot more explicit, um, and like plain about horror movies that do that sort of thing. Anyway, where they they set up something you think that it's going to help them out or uh, a movie where like the protagonist dies at the end. um, Mm. And but you still watch these movies over and over again for the ride. And so I think that this is just an interesting example of that. Like I I get the idea. um, But then I've watched this movie a, a whole bunch of times because the core story is still just like so compelling and mm-hmm. and well acted and scary and so i just think it it works on multiple yeah. levels it's so unique all that bit that you that you talked about like the, the knife
3: in the boat or the the gun next door or the neighbors or the people across the lake or the the phone that they're drawing it with the hairdryer it's all designed to kind of build that sense of helplessness right where you have like these final lifelines that maybe they're going to to she's going to like save herself and there's there's all in in a horror movie you might see it but She's waiting for a train that never comes it's uh <laughs> it's a really a hopeless movie but it's a it's a good movie in my opinion
0: yeah i i think it's well made uh i i i am evidently not sold on its point but um it's certainly worth watching before you hear us say this though like I don't think you should listen to a podcast about it and then watch it that feels like a failing mm-hmm. uh in getting the most out of it but it's a bit um, late for that don't wait for that so i believe it's my recommendation um for next week's episode or my pick i should say um i this did uh, get chosen via coin flip so i apologize uh for any impending groans or moans but i do know that there are a couple people who will be interested that we're talking about this um including uh thomas who once emailed us a full list of movies that we could check out it's on there and i know that there are a couple uh discord people that will be interested in this um but we're going to watch the uh the 2017 reboot of power rangers what (laughs) it's the reaction i was worried about
1: (laughs) yay
0: uh liam what do you got anything (laughs)
1: Oh, cool i i meant to see that movie in theaters when it came out uh, and i uh i think i had a night planned and everything it just didn't happen so have not seen well we're gonna get there um next week
0: mitch that groan was so funny <laughs> <laughs> um okay so power rangers is on deck and my voice just cracked so bad um <laughs> just, let's get out of here uh mitch do you anything you'd like to talk I do actually, but there's just someone coming to the
3: door
1: with some who's looking for eggs. So I'll be right back. How does he know they're looking for eggs? Right? He,
0: I don't know how he would know
1: that. Already. They held. A, they're holding up a sign through the screen door. I need says, eggs. Egg.
0: What's your <laughs> The sign just says egg, <laughs> and then below that in a smaller sign it says actually four eggs.
1: <laughs> I, and then even smaller, actually might need a few backups. Um. Liam, do you have anything you'd like to plug or do you need any eggs? Uh, I do need eggs, actually. Brianna tried to make um, cake the other day and we only had one egg. So, Mitch, if you're still alive, you can send the egg guy over here uh, to no, give he me keeps, eggs. He, so. he keeps wanting more. Um, well, give him more and then just... Them. He can bring them to my place. <laughs> Was it an accidental dropping? Who knows? <laughs> okay uh but you guys could find my film writing alter ego Graham the haunted marshmallow on twitter and letterboxd my username is Graham the malo
0: uh you can find me on twitter and letterboxd at mr cory price you can listen to the other podcast i do mk podquest where um i think we're getting back into the original show that started it all so we'll be doing commentaries of Mortal Kombat Conquest, which is a show you can buy on the internet and watch along with us. That's mkpodquest.com for that. Um, and with that all out of the way, thank you all once again for listening to this episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everything else as They Made Another One. You can reach us via email at tmaopodquest.com tmao podcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes questions comments and how many eggs you would ask a neighbor for whatever that means our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade dickinson you can find it on instagram at jade sketches and with all that out of the way we'll catch you here next week for power rangers and they made another one <laughs>